With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. Wide open at the 15-yard line, 10, 5, touchdown, Chris Herndon. And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. This week, we are joined by our very own Scott Mason, who has about 42 podcasts currently running on the Play Like a Jet feed. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about Sam Darnold. I'm going to try to piggyback on the article that I published today, which was a deep dive into his first six games as a New York Jets starting quarterback. And then we're going to wrap with a little talk about the upcoming Jets matchup with the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday. Scott, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joe. By the way, it's 43 podcasts on the Play Like a Jet feed. 43 (laughs) and counting. 43 and counting. So, my bad. So... The the general premise and overview of my article is, you know, I, I looked at Darnold's sort of high-level stats, the box score stats, if you will, took a little bit of a deeper dive into his passing splits and some of the advanced analytics uh, for all the people who get whiny about the box score stats not giving a good enough picture of his performance, looked at a couple elements of his film, and then also how he's do- doing comparatively to other recent quarterbacks who started 15, 16 games in their rookie year who've went on to have successful careers, guys like Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, and then just sort of a general wrap on how he's handled being the starting quarterback so far. Before we dive into some of those specifics, Scott, has Darnold met, not met, or exceeded your expectations for him through these six games based on what we saw in the preseason? I would say he's met or exceeded for sure. It's a lot of what we expected as far as the traits that we saw coming out of the draft and watching him in USC. You know, I did that six-part series with Joe Blewett where we took a deep dive into Donald's 2017 film. And the funny thing is, 2016 was the year that he was considered the all-world prospect. Everybody thought he took a step back in 2017. But I think when you really look at his film in a deep way, what you saw was that a lot of the stuff that he gets blamed for was either fairly easily correctable or sometimes not even his fault, a lot of those interceptions, for instance. And I think in the preseason, we saw a lot of the traits. And again, it was in bite size because it was only you know here and there. But we saw a lot of the traits that made people really love him. You know, Brian Hemmerdinger loved him so much that if you remember, Albert Breer wrote about this and talked about it on the podcast with me that he thought he reminded him of a young Tony Romo, you know, a 19, 20-year-old Tony Romo the first time he saw him. So we're seeing a lot of those traits now in these first bunch of games. Now, we all knew there were going to be peaks and valleys, and there were going to be some things that we saw that we didn't like that made us a little nervous. The Browns game really, to me, was the one that stuck out because the Jaguars game, he never really had a chance. The Browns game, he just looked flustered and confused sometimes. Maybe Miles Garrett was the reason. He'll do that to just about anybody. But a lot of the traits that we loved about Darnold coming out of the draft, watching him at USC, and then watching the preseason, a lot of those traits are showing up now. 
you know, again, he's had his moments this past game, that, that bad interception, but some of these anticipation throws, Joe Blute and I talked about this earlier today, and you can have a listen right now. Uh, the um, X and O show is up on the Play Like a Jet feed before Joe and Marcus Coleman put out the full YouTube show. And there was a, a throw, the, the throw to Pryor for the touchdown. He stood up before Pryor even made his cut. The anticipation throws that he makes are just otherworldly good. Um, some of the throws that he makes on the run, and when you watched Andrew Luck, you kind of saw mirror images there. There, He was a guy that also drew comparisons to the Darnold. So I would say Matter exceeded for sure. Just so many reasons for optimism. And it's not like you just see a little flash here and there. We're seeing a lot of these flashes, and they're becoming more and more consistent as he becomes more and more comfortable with his settings and with, of course, his surrounding talent. So I'm very pleased so far through six games. I know not everything has been terrific, but for a 21-year-old kid, he's only made six starts, and really, realistically, only what played a, a, a year and a half as a starter at college because he didn't even start the 2016 season with USC. He came in after a couple of games. I don't see how you could not have thought that this has met or exceeded expectation at this point. Yeah, I think that's a fair overview. I think based on what we saw in the preseason and based on what's fair to expect of a 21-year-old rookie, it's really hard not to be, you know, encouraged by what you've seen so far. And, you know, you look at the top-line numbers, started all six games, played 100% of the snaps, uh, 59.8 completion percentage, 1,346 yards, which breaks out to 224 per game, 7.5 yards per attempt, 83.7 QB rating, 9 touchdowns to 7 interceptions, 21 rushing yards, sack 13 times, 0 fumbles. The 0 fumbles in particular is something that I've been really pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised by. This was something that was a big concern for him coming out of USC, his ability to protect the football. And it's clearly something that mechanically he's cleaned up. And 7 interceptions is a little more than you'd like to see, but the zero fumbles helps mitigate that a little bit, and it's why he's had, you know, his turnover numbers actually compare pretty favorably to some other quarterbacks, particularly to some other rookie quarterbacks, because he hasn't lost, you know, two or three fumbles on top of his interceptions, and he's somebody now who's really on pace to throw for 24 touchdowns, which for a rookie uh, is particularly impressive. Um, And again, those are, you know, sort of your you know, top-of-the-line box score stats. And I do think they give sort of an accurate representation of what we've seen so far. He's right at 60%. His yards per attempt are, are pretty high for a rookie um, in that mid-sevens. And there was a lot of concern about his arm strength and his ability to push the ball down the field. And that's not coming through in the yards per attempt. And I think, you know, generally, and again, this is a low bar to clear. We, we of course, want him to easily clear this bar. But after watching Geno Smith's entire rookie season, after watching Mark Sanchez's entire rookie season, Donald's stats are better through six games, but there's just a difference in the way he plays the game and the way he carries himself on the field. He's much less, I would say, erratic and skittish and prone to these moments and plays where he looks completely out of place. That never really seems to be the case with Darnold. He'll make his errors. He'll make some head-scratching plays. But Sanchez and Gino would have these moments and these stretches where they would make these absolutely baffling plays that you were just like, what was that? Uh, And Darnold doesn't seem to have that. Just from an eye test standpoint, he seems so much further advanced than those two guys, no? Yeah, I think a lot of it is 
like Dan Orlovsky likes to say, always scout the traits. And one thing that you saw from Darnold a lot at USC is, like I mentioned before, incredible anticipation throws and an ability to read defenses that was phenomenally advanced for somebody his age. He also was asked to make a lot of full field reads, which is not done a lot at the collegiate level. In fact, there are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, in fact, a great deal of them that can't really do that consistently, and he was able to do it. I think with Sanchez and Gino, what we saw were flashes a lot of the time. You knew they had ability, but the problem was could they be consistent, and a big part of the problem was with Gino and with Mark Sanchez, you knew they had the physical traits, but they didn't show an ability to read a defense. They didn't show an ability to make those type of anticipation throws that Darnold is able to make uh, fairly frequently. And so that's why, to me, it feels a lot different with Darnold because you see that he, like you said, he doesn't look lost. He seems to have an advanced understanding of what's going on out there for a 21-year-old, whereas with Sanchez and Gino, look, they could get hot. I mean, we saw it. You know, Gino had that, that tremendous game against the Buffalo Bills. He threw that bomb to Santonio Holmes that he couldn't have walked over there and placed in his hands better. Sanchez's rookie year, if you remember, Joe, at the beginning of the year, I think for the first few games, he was leading the league in third down efficiency, which is amazing for a rookie. But we started to see some things that we didn't like. Again, the inability to really process what was going on on the field and to the to the point where Gerard Mayo later on, a couple of years later, talked about how with Sanchez, he couldn't recognize protection. So Nick Mangold would have to call them out. You don't ever get that sense from Sam Donald that anybody's going to have to be telling him what to do. He seems to really get it out there. I thought the, the personality trait with him is interesting, too. He's got that cool, quiet, calm leadership about him. I know he's been compared to Eli Manning in that regard, and we saw that with the mic'd up segment on Inside the NFL this week. There wasn't a lot of yelling or rah-rah or overly emotional stuff. It was just, all right, guys, let's go out there and get it kind of thing. And that matches what Joey Kaufman told me and told you even on the TOJ podcast about what Donald is like. So I think the whole package is just so far, and you don't want to jinx it, obviously, and it's only been six games. It's just so much more impressive, like you said, than Gino or Mark Sanchez were at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think digging a little deeper into his numbers, shared a couple of the football outsiders metrics, which are a little complex and you got to kind of read through, but Donald basically ranks uh, in the 17 to 20 range in most of those overall uh, for quarterbacks. Those are, you know, factor in a lot of different things, including the type of defenses he's playing uh, situation when he spikes the ball, when he throws the ball away. Uh, so he basically is kind of came in that 18 to 20 range compared to the other uh, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, he's only, this stat kind of stuck out to me a little bit, just because I remember, Gino and Sanchez taking these massive sacks. Darnold's only lost 85 yards on sacks this season. And for some context, Josh Allen has lost 167 yards on sacks. Baker Mayfield's lost 86 and has played, you know, two less games than Darnold overall. Um, Darnold, to be fair, there's only been five drops on him so far this year. While Cleveland has 12 altogether, not all of those are on Baker. Some were on Tyrod in the beginning of the year. Buffalo has six, so a comparable rate. And Arizona has eight. And again, all of those are not on Josh Rosen, some were on Sam Bradford in the beginning of the year. Uh, Darnold's eighth in the NFL in first down percentage on third and medium. His overall splits 
Uh, I have some interesting metrics. You know, on third between third and four and third and nine, uh, he's sixteen to twenty six, two hundred and sixty yards, fourteen first downs, two touchdowns, one interception, and over ten yards per attempt, uh, which is really encouraging for that situational football. Another one that stood out to me is that. Five of his nine touchdown passes have came on third down. And, of course, as we know, seven of his nine touchdowns were on plays over 20 yards. And three of his seven interceptions have come on first down. A lot of these in situations where the Jets were looking to come from behind. That one at the end against Cleveland uh, jumps out to me. I believe the one against Indy this past week was also a first down interception as well. So some interesting splits there and some encouraging signs situationally. On third down, I also thought it was interesting. Darnold's actually been uh, more effective under center than in shotgun, and the Jets do more shotgun, so those numbers may be a little skewed, but it's good to know that he can be productive in both formats, and I'm curious if that's something that Bates does more of going forward. I've also been a little surprised knowing Darnold's mobility. The Jets haven't experimented with any RPO concepts or really haven't used him as a rusher all that much at all. They did a little bit in the game this past week. I think he ran for a first down uh, down in, inside the uh, the red zone. But, yeah, I, I think that's going to come as time goes on, Joe. They're going to experiment more and more and kind of open things up. They're sort of bringing him along slowly as he gets more and more comfortable in the system and more and more comfortable with his surroundings. One thing I wanted to talk about that you, you kind of touched on a little bit, and it's a weird thing that I heard people saying, uh, as the as Darnold began his journey as Jets starting quarterback, the idea that he's not somebody that can effectively attack down the field or he doesn't have a good arm or I don't know where this came from. If you watch his film, he has plenty arm. Now look, he doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. I'm not going to sit here and claim that. Very few people do at any level of football. But Sam Darnold has a hell of an arm. In fact, if you go back and look, you know, he threw a, a ball 70 yards to Robbie Anderson. You go on down the line and watch examples of this, not just with the Jets, but go back further and watch his tape with USC. He's got plenty. I would say that he's got a much stronger arm than Josh Rosen. I'd say it's right there on par with Mayfield. I mean, if you want to say Mayfield's arm is stronger, that's fine, but Mayfield's got a plenty strong arm as well. So I don't know where this myth came from, but I feel like Sam Darnold really can attack opposing defenses in such a uh, multitude of ways, whether it's throwing downfield, whether it's using his legs. Like you said, Joe, we may see some more RPL plays as the season goes on. In fact, I would guess that Bates will probably start incorporating those as Darnold gets more comfortable. He can throw on the run accurately, which very few guys can do. I mean, there's so many things that Sam Darnold is capable of, and I think we're really starting to get the picture of what he can bring to the table, not just this year, but over the next five, ten years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of build on and expand the playbook throughout the season. You know, some of the things that, you know, have stood out to me on film with him is, you know, from a positive standpoint, just a short memory, you know, if he makes a mistake, if he misses a throw, it does not impact him throughout the rest of the game. Obviously, Detroit was the perfect example of that. A pick six on the first play comes back the rest of the way, goes 16 and 20 for 200 yards with two touchdowns, and was still confident and aggressive in throwing down the field into tight windows. And he's demonstrated that accuracy and decisiveness. That prior play, I think, is a particularly good example, uh, you know, of trusting his receiver, being decisive with the football, and being accurate with the football, and throwing him into getting. 
getting open uh, when he runs his route and doing a good job of showing trust in a receiver who has let him down before, particularly in the red zone. If you think back to the Miami game, I think, you know, some of the negatives are he and it's it's weird because, again, this could sometimes be construed as a positive. It's, it's a little bit of stubbornness like he will stick with trying to take a shot down the field, even if it's not there. Uh, the Detroit interception is a good example of it. The Jets schemed up a you know a wheel route downfield shot to Bilal Powell, and Darnold probably should have just ate it when he got flushed forward in the pocket, but he tried to stay with it and make a play. Interception, you know, against Indy, deciding to take that shot to Robbie Anderson when the coverage uh, was pretty tight, and also he had pressure in his face, which impacted the release on that pass. So some of those have resulted... Uh, in interceptions and in turnovers for the Jets. But I think overall, from a positive standpoint, uh, it's the accuracy and it's the decisiveness and it's answering the questions about the arm strength. One of the throws that really sticks out to me uh, it was against Denver when they were ping, pinned back in their own end. Uh, I think it was a third and 12, and he delivered a throw from the opposite hash on a deep comeback route to Jermaine Curse. And you know, that's a ball that travels you know, 25, 30 yards in the air on a rope uh, from the hash you know, to the opposite sideline. That's a difficult throw to make, particularly outside at MetLife in October. And in my mind, those type of plays should answer any questions about his arm concern. And then I think when you look at his numbers, you know, I've, I've shared around a lot uh, of them compared to the other, you know, rookie quarterbacks, which are always fun discussion starters uh, on Monday morning. You know, looking at what he's on track to do this year, three three thousand five hundred and eighty four yards, 24 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 60 completion percentage yards per attempt at seven point five. Carson Wentz's rookie year, 3,700 yards, 62 completion percentage, but only 16 touchdowns and 14 interceptions with a 6.2 yards per attempt. So much lower on the yards per attempt and on the touchdowns, but with a higher completion percentage. Luck, higher yards at 4,300, much lower completion percentage at 54. 23 touchdowns with 18 interceptions and a 6.9 yards per attempt. So still well below what Darnold's pacing at right now. And then Roethlisberger going back a little further, 2,600 yards, 66 completion percentage, but only 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, although he did have an 8.8 yards per attempt. So pretty good company for Darnold to be in his you know first six games with so far, no? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned, Joe, that one of his weaknesses is that sometimes he can be a little over-aggressive. And actually, Joe Blue and I have talked about this a lot. We talked about it even before the Jets drafted Darnold because we're both football dorks, so we talk all the time. And leading up to the draft, we were constantly talking about these quarterbacks as Joe was watching more film and I was watching more film. And we were kind of comparing notes. And we said, uh, you know, Joe, this was a big thing with him when he did the the, uh, Darnold 2017 review is he needs to dial back a little bit of that aggressiveness. But at the same time, one thing that I will say is I'd rather have a quarterback who's not afraid to take chances than a quarterback who is afraid to take chances. For instance, Alex Smith. Look, I like Alex Smith more than most. I think he's a solid quarterback. But as we've seen, that style is only going to get you so far. I like a guy with confidence who's going to take those chances. And that's really how all of the elite quarterbacks are. Sometimes they believe in themselves and maybe they should, you know, dial it back a little bit. But Dan Orlovsky was right. Sometimes you need a little bit of cowboyitis to succeed at the elite level in the NFL. And I think we're seeing some of that with Darnold. And, and as far as what he's doing so far as rookie year, again, let's keep in mind, six games, 21-year-old kid, 
And the Jets don't exactly have Murderer's Row over there supporting him. They've got some okay receivers, an okay running game, an offensive line that's on its best day, on its best day somewhere in the middle of the pack, and that's on their very, very, very best behavior. So I think he's doing very, very well so far, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does from here. I'll say for me, the gold standard as far as rookie quarterbacks, at least in recent memory, was Matt Ryan, who had an outstanding rookie season. So if he can do anything close to what Matt Ryan put together, that would be that would be a, a, a dream come true, I think, for most Jets fans. You mentioned Carson Wentz. Obviously, he had a lot of struggles his rookie year. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. There's still 10 games left to be played for the Jets. But I think that his rookie year already is looking a lot more promising than Wentz's did because if you remember, Wentz had a couple of good games early on and then just kind of tanked. Darnold seems to be getting stronger as time goes on. So, again, don't want to jinx it, and this doesn't mean he's going to be as good as Carson Wentz. I don't want people thinking that I'm saying that. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll see. But it definitely looks like he's on the right track and may very well surpass what Wentz did his rookie year. Yeah, and, ra- and wrapping up with Darnold here before we do a, a quick minute or two to preview and give our predictions for Jets-Vikings, I think some quali- qualitatively with Darnold, handling being the face of a franchise in New York as a 21-year-old rookie, he's done well with that part of it through six weeks. And we've kind of we joked all summer and kind of riffed on him being this sort of doofy like football robot who doesn't have a lot of interest outside the sport and kind of being a dork. And it's an exaggeration, but that is kind of his personality. And it's a, you know, it's a contrast to some of the other rookie quarterbacks who came out for better or for worse. But he's handled the media well. He's handled the spotlight well. He's clearly earned the respect of his teammates around the locker room. He has a good working relationship with Josh McCown. Uh, all of that stuff has been positive. And what matters is the production on the field. I don't like to spend too much time on this stuff. But when you're the starting quarterback for you know, an NFL franchise and you're the face of the franchise, particularly in this media market, these things do matter a little bit. And he's done a good job with that element of the game. And it's something that I don't think it's ever going to be a red flag for him in his career. Any thoughts on that, Scott, before we uh, get your predictions for Jets Vikings? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and again, this is something I talked to Joey Kaufman about when we did our getting to know the quarterback series on Darnold. Which, by the way, it's funny. I never expected Darnold to be available, so I almost didn't even do that series. Boy, am I glad I did it. But, yeah, that that was a, a big thing, is that he's just kind of like everything rolls right off of him. Nothing bothers him. He's very cool and calm and collected. Kind of that quiet dork, like we said, like Eli Manning. Uh, of the five big quarterback prospects in this draft, the two guys that you heard a lot about as far as personality concerns were Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. You didn't really hear much as far as Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, or Lamar Jackson went in terms of personality. There weren't much of an issue there. And and we're seeing that play out now. Uh, We haven't heard anything negative about Josh Allen from a personality standpoint, at least in Buffalo. As far as his playing, that's a whole other story. Haven't heard anything about as far as Lamar Jackson complaining that he's not getting enough playing time or anything like that. No nonsense, even though there was some stuff with Flacco going on there. And with Darnold, yeah, nothing. I mean, we're not hearing anything about, oh, Darnold is upset. If there's anything going on as far as him being upset with anybody, he's definitely handling it behind closed doors because even the beat reporters and the insiders that follow the team haven't been saying anything about it. So I think this is good, and it, it may just be, look, we all said Baker Mayfield's personality would have been a lot of fun, and I still think it would have been, but 
this may just be what the doctor ordered for the Jets. I mean, we had Broadway Joe, and he, he kind of had that larger-than-life thing. But maybe the, the Jets need that quiet leader, that guy that can just kind of let everything roll off of his shoulders. Nothing bothers him. And like you said, Joe, he gets knocked down and he gets back up again. If I may channel Chumbawamba for a second, as we saw what happened against Detroit, he threw the, the pick six and then dusted himself off and came right back. Against the Colts, he threw that terrible interception, dusted himself off and came right back. So that's a trait you want to see. And like you said, I really think that that's going to be a positive going forward because we're never, look, anything can happen, but it looks like we're never going to have to worry about the quarterback having some sort of off-the-field issue or some some sort of problem with teammates that, you know, like any kind of combustible situation in the locker room like we've seen in the past. So that is definitely a positive development, and it's certainly not something that Jets fans are used to after the last bunch of years of some kind of topsy-turvy stuff as far as quarterback. You know, it's funny, though. We did go from Josh McCown, kind of the same thing, the guy that everybody loves, never going to pick a fight, blah, blah, blah. And now McCown is the one mentoring uh, uh, Sam Donald. So maybe the Jets were were, were right in, in all their infinite wisdom to have Uncle Josh come in and kind of bring him under his wing and make sure that he stays true to form. Absolutely. And I think there's been a good dynamic with that relationship, and I think the Jets will try to find – a way to keep McCown involved in the organization in some way, even if he retires after this year. All right, before we wrap, quick thoughts on Jets-Vikings. Uh, I talked about this a little bit today uh, with Paul Esden on my, on my spot on uh, ESPN Syracuse. I think this is a game that, despite the Jets being very banged up for at the, at the wrong positions at the wrong time, uh, particularly in their secondary, uh, I think they'll show up and I think they'll be competitive. I think it's going to go kind of similar to the way the Patriots game went last year when they were 3-3 three and three and they were underdogs at home uh, against a better team, to be candid. And, you know, they threw a couple punches early and they were hanging around, but ultimately they ended up losing by a touchdown. I don't think we'll have this the whole Austin Safarian-Jenkins situation again. Uh, but this feels kind of like a 30-24 to 24 loss, a game that they're in and competitive. I just don't think they have enough on the defensive side without Marcus May, likely without Tremaine Johnson and Buster Screen. Uh, and then on offense, you've got no Quincy Inouye, uh, Robbie Anderson has practiced today, although he's expected to play. But mostly, I am concerned about the secondary trying to slow down Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs uh, at less than 100%. So I think they're going to be game, but I don't think this is a game that ultimately they will pull out. I think they probably lose by somewhere between four and seven points. What is your uh, final thoughts, Scott? Yeah, I think that's about right. I, I could see it even being a little bit wider or deeper than that if it comes down to it. They're so short-handed, and they're up against a team that really, at least on paper, is a lot better than they are. So you would expect a, a problem. Not only that, but remember, you know, the Colts don't exactly have a ton of weapons surrounding Andrew Luck, and we know what a mess the Broncos are at this point. But Adam Thielen is putting up video game numbers right now, and I guess you're going to put Morris Claiborne on him, but then you have Stephon Diggs to worry about. you got Rudolph to worry about. Even Latavius Murray had, what, 150 yards rushing or something like that last week. So this is a tough team. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you have Everson Griffin and you have some really talented defensive players, Anthony Barr. Uh, we'll see our old friend Sheldon Richardson as he comes back to, to try and haunt the Jets. Uh, I, I think the Vikings, at least on paper, uh, just have too much for the Jets. But we'll see. I mean, that's why they play the games. I, I will say this. If anything, 
I, I am optimistic that, like you said, the Jets can at least make a game out of this. And, you know, who knows? Anything's possible if, if Sam Donald, uh, you know, continues his progress. Maybe he finds a way to overcome the, the adversity and get this thing done. But I think oh, uh, if, I, if I had to right now, and I do this with Daryl Slater on, on our Friday pregame report on the Play Like a Jet feed, but if I had to guess, I would say the Jets are probably going to lose this thing. You said 30-24. I might go a little worse than that. I might say something like 30-17. I think Darnold might make some mistakes or get a little you know jittery if they get down a little bit, but we'll see. I think it's going to be interesting, and it'll be a hell of a test for Sam Darnold, and I'm very curious to see how the, the crowd treats Kirk Cousins as well, because as we know, there's some animosity there. I don't have any animosity towards him. You know, he did what he needed to do, and I think it worked out well for everybody involved. But uh, we'll see what MetLife has to say. But it'll be an interesting game, and I'm looking forward to being there. And hopefully, the Jets can at least make it uh, worth our while. And, and it's not something like we saw with Jacksonville, where after you know the first quarter, we're ready to. Uh, to leave the stadium or in the case of Jackson, they'll turn off the TV. So that's my hope. But I do think that the Jets have a chance to be competitive, even being shorthanded if they're smart and, and put together the right game plan and if Arnold is as effective as possible. All right. That is going to wrap it up here for us on the Turn on the Jets podcast. Uh, make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Make sure to give Scott a follow on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. You can subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Subscribe to the Play Like a Jet feed on iTunes as well, and you will get Scott's flagship show, uh, Play Like a Jet. You will get his X's and O's show with Joe Blewett. You will get his post game report and daily quick hits or check ins on the quick hits with Daryl Slater throughout the week. You'll get the Know Your Foe podcast with Michael Nanya, and you'll probably get six or seven other things that you'll need to listen to. Don't forget Jets Brian League. Bassett, Joe. And Brian Bassett, <laughs> of course, on the Saturdays now. Every day there is a podcast for you here on Turning the Jets Digital. Give us both a follow, and I promise you will see plenty of links throughout the day. Scott, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate it. And uh, let's just hope that they give us something to smile about on Sunday. <laughs>